Yeah, so I actually, for a long time, thought I was kind of thin, and then I got to see a picture of myself. Yeah. It took that to... Yeah, you know. Well, I'm sorry. I, I would have drawn you uh, a little bit. I would have u- wouldn't have used crayons if I knew you were going to look at it that long and take yeah, so much away from it. I just, it's okay. You look good. If you, I think you look fabulous. I, I'm okay. I'm comfortable with myself. Well, I'm comfortable You're with you. You're a pretty you good too. looking fellow yourself. Uh, you know, I'm. God, why are we so hung up on our body image, Rich? I don't know. It started oh, in high school. Hey, wait a minute. We're rolling. All right. Well, then let's roll. Well, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block Island. So um, I'll intro our guest here. We have uh, just an amazing, I'm so happy to have this guest here. We're going to have some great stories, some great conversation. Um, definitely a, a, an icon on Block Island. Yeah, I think. yet another uh, one. I'm going to cut it short. It's Everett Littlefield. And uh, welcome to the show, Everett. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's his first words. Uh oh. Um, I'm glad to be here. Well, good. We're, you know how many people are going to be so happy to hear some of your stories. You know, they're, they're, most people aren't like your family. They're not sick of the stories. They they want to hear them. So that's what that's what'll happen. Yeah, so. I start to say something now, and Kirk says, "Yeah, yeah." He jumps right in, and uh, he says, "We already heard this." He does that to me too. <laughs> well, the, the nice thing is that uh, people that listen to the podcast. They can fast forward if they already heard your story years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we expect from Kirk? He was born on the 4th of July, right? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's got to be something up with that. Yeah. He was, uh, <clears throat> we were here on leave while I was in the Navy and uh, station, I was stationed at uh, Newport on a ship. And uh, Mama San was very pregnant and we could just come over here for the weekend and uh, right in the middle of the night, hey, wake, wake uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happened. Yeah, <clears throat> and I've uh, seems to me that uh, uh, Mel Fraser was still flying the airplanes, you know, the yep. taking people back and forth, and uh, so he was on call, and we just called him, and he said, "I'll meet you at the airport." And luckily, it was a clear night. Yeah, because that's the that's the tricky one. Yeah, you know, if uh, that yeah. happens and it's foggy and windy and stormy, yeah, yeah. then you're in yeah. trouble. Yeah, I don't. I've seen uh, the Coast Guard will come in if it's at all possible. Wow, in the in the mm-hmm. weather. Well, you know, can we start with when did your Block Island experience start? Like, I have no idea where you born and raised here. Did you come here? Did you vacation here? <clears throat> You know where uh, the water company is, of course. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the big house after Fred Migliaccio's, they call it Swan's Way or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in that house. You were born in that house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they told me on the <laughs> kitchen table, but I just can't believe that. But that's what they always said. Really? Yeah. So well, you truly were born and raised on Block Island. Yeah. And what year was that, Everett? 1938. 1938. One year before Vin McAloon. Although he wasn't born on the island, but I think uh-huh. he said he was born in 39. Yeah. So you were born uh, the year of the great hurricane. Yep. Oh. Uh, well, that's what my mother always said. Scared her right out of me. It was, <laughs> scared me right out of her. <laughs> 
was a scary storm. I just had to have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So terrifying. Yeah. Whoa. So then you grew up here, like yep. for the, the whole, uh, so tell us a little bit about like what was school like back then and what were the kids up to? Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. The, uh, huh. Yeah, we lived we lived up there until I was uh, seven years old, and then we moved down to where I am now. Okay. Yeah, my my grandfather built that place in uh, 1915. That's why the name's on the outside of it. Wow. So you're still in in the same house that your your grandfather built. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He. Uh, we were redoing it here a few years ago, and we took some of the inside boards off. <clears throat> And uh, there was the names of everybody who had built the houses. Really? No kidding. That worked on the house. They kind of hid them like a secret note inside the wall? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was, it was right where the door is where we go in and out now on the inside of the the. Um, and did you recognize some of the names? Oh, yeah. So you knew mo- they were your grandfather's yeah. friends. Was that like how they built the house back then? Friends got together and helped? Well, there was one guy named uh, Frank Mitchell who was a house builder. builder. He built that one. He built the one on the corner, Gene Stinson's. You know, I forget yep. Shanley. I think the guy's name is now. Uh, live in Ken Rose's old house down below the the. Uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say the Boddington's house, but it's uh, well. You say whatever you want. You wouldn't know who he was. He used to be a believe, telephone guy a long time ago. Believe me, I always make fun. of It was hard for me to find a fire when Joe Sprague would give the directions because he'd be like, you know, two driveways past old man Stinton's house. I'm like, yeah. well, what, what's that? I don't know that. Yeah. How, how many other houses were on the road besides yours when you uh, were younger? What I, <clears throat> excuse me. That's all right. No worries. They were, uh, and they're pretty much. Rob Lewis's house was there. Ours, of course, the little one in the front where Kirk is. It was an old house. Well, you may remember it. Yeah, before they renovated, I had to walk hunched over in there. Yeah. It was. I think the ceilings might have been five eight. They, Some went, of the doorways, yeah. you know, literally, you know, and it was t- it was tiny in there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, the guy built. Uh, he was a builder, and he built the same house. You look around, you'll see them uh-huh. all over the place. Uh, hey, if you oops. do what you're good at, <laughs> houses that look just like yours, yeah, so, only different. You know, they people added on stuff, but he had a he had a basic layout, and that's the way he built them. If you didn't like it, get somebody else. <laughs> See, yeah. that's that's like me when when I'm when I'm in the kitchen, I cook sometimes. I have my three or four things that I can make really well. That's it. Yeah. So I just stick to uh, that. I think they they call that. Uh, Staying in your wheelhouse. Yes. That's what I do. Yeah. You, you <laughs> yeah. don't ask someone if they want to come over for dinner. You ask them if they want to come over for lasagna. Yes. Like it's You're... already decided what the dinner is going to be. Very specific. Yes. So how many, so when you when you started going to school, how big was the school then? How many teachers and how many uh, kids? They had just uh, got in got into the, the new school, the one that was, you know, the one you probably remember. I guess it was built in 33. Okay. So, uh, where was the school prior to that? Uh, the town hall was one. Uh, Marshall, what's his name? Oh, Dulac. Dulac. Oh, that, the little red house up house on what, on Center Road. Yep. That was a schoolhouse. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, on Payne Road, where the second house. You know, oh yeah, come, the old house right. right yeah, you start right going on, down on the right, right after you hit the yeah, dirt. 
it yeah, looks did. like a schoolhouse. They just did a whole bunch of renovation there. So before the big school, which was not as big as it is now then, yep. you had like three little schoolhouses around the island? It was five, actually. There was five. Another, another one down the neck directly across the road from Hobie's house. Okay. Where it is now. Yep. And were there were there so there were let me there were probably what five school children on the island at that so every kid had their own individual school just about <laughs> in the whole school uh, <clears throat> gee there were one two three four, four uh, they had the first through third grade in one room okay and then the fourth through to sixth in another one and that they were all on the the north side of the the, the original building. And uh, then you get to march down the hall after you graduated from sixth grade into the high school where all the bad guys, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell us about <laughs> the bad guys. <laughs> oh, it was a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then the high school was divided into a few different classes? They had uh, what they call the bird room now, I guess, was was one. Oh, well, whatever. Where Barbie Michelle was for years, yep. And then uh, there were two more classrooms divided by some folding doors, and that was the only auditorium on the island. So they'd push these folding doors back, and that's where they held all the uh, town meetings of any import, like the money ones. Oh, I think the, f- the those walls are still similar to this day though, for those classrooms. Yeah. I think you can <clears throat> still collapse the walls and open them up. I'm yeah. not sure. I'll probably get corrected. Who? Yeah, I haven't been in there in years. Uh, who were some of uh, your classmates back in those days? Uh, Who did you graduate with? Alvin Ernst, uh, Bob Sear, who's, uh, you know, the Sears' yep, yep, yep. youngest son he was. And uh, let's see, there's Marceline Conley, or Missouri, as you know her. Oh, Marceline, yeah. Yeah, she was, she was the only girl, poor thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me. Bob Sear, a uh, guy named Ray Anderson, and another one named Malcolm Sheldon, whose father was the lighthouse keeper at the time. Oh, so there was still a lighthouse keeper? Yeah. And the Did, nor- North Light or Southeast Light? Uh, Southeast Light. Did you ever get to go down to the Southeast Light and run around inside and mess around? Yeah, because later on, my sister married the, the new guy, the uh, Leon Scarborough, one of those North Carolina guys. <laughs> And uh, come up here and grab all them northern women. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's the way they do uh, it. Hey, don't they? You know, <laughs> jump I'm out a, on the street and grab. I'm head up north and find me a nice girl yeah, to settle bring, down with. Bring them back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> he uh, he was up there for a year or so before I graduated. So I was up there babysitting often. Nice in the left hand side, but other than that, I was never in the place. Now, when you say the left-hand side, what do you mean? Facing the road, uh, looking, or you standing in the road. There's two two downstairs apart. They used to be. I have no idea. Yeah, what's I, in there I know now. what you mean. For the living quarters in the Southeast yeah. Lighthouse, yeah. there used to be oh, a side for each family. Well, they had on the left side was the married guy, if there was a married guy in charge, and the other guys. It was just, uh, I guess, four or five rooms in there. Like a bunkhouse. Yeah. And those guys, what did they do? Like a lot of the maintenance, painting, yep. and upkeep of the property and the building? Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. It's hard to believe they moved that lighthouse. I'm still- That's just fascinating. Fascinating. 
They moved it like 150 feet, I yeah. think, right? And they lifted it up and, you, you know. know you know what it was they ge- greased the skids with? What? You must have heard this. No. <laughs> Dawn dishwashing the liquid. <laughs> Is I, that true? Absolutely. Well, it's environmentally friendly, supposedly. Yeah, it yeah. didn't kill all them ducks they've been washing that's with them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they use on the re- yeah. when they rescue ducks from an oil yeah. spill. They scrub them down yeah, with Dawn. Yeah, Dawn. Yeah. Wow. I actually use it in the shower. It's, really? Uh, yeah, but you have to when stop. When you're washing your it's ducks suds. in the shower? Yeah. How do you get the ducks in the shower with you? They're rubber. Oh, okay. They're rubber ducks. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> now I get you. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think I remember you telling me once upon a time and how much the world has changed because – when hunting season would come, mm-hmm. you'd actually could bring your gun to school yep. and you put it in your locker in the morning. Well, they actually, uh, when you come in the old front entrance, yeah, there was a set of stairs that went up right there and uh, there was nothing on either side. So you could stand your guns in the corner <laughs> and leave them there. And that's where everybody left their muddy boots or the ones covered in a horse or cow poo or whatever. <laughs> poo of some sort. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've always, always been in that. Well, at that time, still a lot of farming and going the, on and people yep. had cows and horses out here. Yeah. Well, that was the first thing or you did when you get up in the morning, took, went and took care of the chores and animals and whatever you had. And uh, How? Well, it was a subsistence type living out here. So you're Back then. at your the house. You had you have a farm. Well, or? it wasn't a farm per se. They call it a farmstead or a homestead. But uh, we had a couple of good sized gardens, and uh, we always had two cows, at least one pig, to get us through the winter. And <clears throat> damn, and chickens. Wow. So you'd get up mm. in the morning and. It was. I'm sorry. You had. You said you have a sister. Yep. Do you I, have any other siblings? Yeah, just one. My older brother. He's three years older than me. Okay. What's his name? Uh, Lester L. Littlefield. Lester Junior. Is he still with us? Uh, no. He's passed a couple of years ago, and my sister. She passed about ooh, seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, from rapid onset Alzheimer's. Oh, geez. Came out of nowhere. I just had. A revelation. Uh, while I'm sitting here right now, I w- so your sister. This ain't gonna hurt us. No, right? no, no. I want to see if I'm right. I want to see Everett, if I'm right. Ever just looked very concerned <laughs> no, for no. a second. No, I just got excited because I love when I put things together from the past. So, one of them North Carolina boys came up here, and he married your sister. Mm-hmm. Did they end up moving to the Carolinas? Oh, not yet. They moved, but they went to a little place called Guam. But then, did they ever end up living in the Carolinas? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I went a vacation in the Carolinas at Halloween with Kirk, and I think we went trick-or-treating to your sister's house. You or... probably did. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, no, I'm serious. We were staying yeah. in, you know, like near Duck or one of those towns on yeah. that. Right oh, on the Outer the, Banks? The Outer Banks. And I think she lived right on... Right, right in Hatteras Island. Hatteras yeah. Island. Oh, how about that for putting that one together? There you go. So, yeah. I just remembered. And I think Kirk, you know told me but you know after a few hours who listens to kirk you know kind of got or maybe after a few beers i don't know it was one or the other but yeah so we went trick-or-treating wow. with the did. lighthouse to the lighthouse keeper and everett's sister's house I, i'm pretty sure <laughs> that's amazing or at least we went to visit him i don't know i might have made the trick-or-treating part up 
Ever. <laughs> I, I just like to wear strange costumes, you know. Yeah. So I always. It wasn't Halloween, it wasn't by the way. Halloween. No, it was October. Yeah, yeah, it was October. Oh. Yeah. Everett, what I want to ask you is so so what can you like talk a little bit more in detail about what your morning, what your days were like with your your siblings? I assumed you'd all wake up and do these chores together. Well, I got out of all the farm chores because I was living in the house that my grandfather built, and he what he said went. So when I was eight years old and old enough, they by anybody's you know estimation back then at eight was good. He'd get me up, he'd come by, and he'd kick the door where my me and my brother lived, or the room where I was in, and he'd say, I'll meet you on the dock in 15 minutes. So I'm sound asleep now, I'm going to be wide awake. And uh, he'd take off, he'd walk to the dock, <clears throat> to the old harbor, and I'd be running along behind trying to catch up with him and getting dressed, and, and we'd go fishing. And he, him and my uncle Arlo Littlefield, who lives on the house right next to the Manassees. That's where he used to live. And uh, we'd go down there, and uh, he was uh, one of the longer, the elder statesmen, I guess you would say, of fisher folks. So his boat was on one of the inner dock berths. Is that how it worked? If you, The more kind of seniority you had, the better slip you had back in those days? Yep. Yeah, and no, you couldn't buy your way into that. Nope. Like, yeah. a, like a pecking it, order. Yeah. It was all... Uh, your family and uh, who the oldest one was was the guy that one with the biggest stick, I guess. And, and was this but, like commercial fishing or yeah. just to provide for the family? <clears throat> well, the excuse me. take your time. <clears throat> for some reason, I got a frog in there. Mm. No worries. And and uh, well, we go down there, get the boat ready to go out fishing we had a there was a dory everybody had a dory which was a you know what they had it's a flat bottom boat yeah you know, skiff type thing and uh it was my job in that thing to uh somebody had either left a couple of buckets of uh skimmers which are great big clams the that they giant cohogs yeah that of, they yeah. dug out a fresh or uh, the new harbor either that or periwinkles there was Used to be thousands of periwinkles, but they cleaned them out by the forties, early forties. Yeah, and my job was to go back there with a hammer and smash these things and dig the guts out of them and uh, put them in the pail. This is when the boat was the dory was tied right up tight behind the his regular boat, and uh, I'd have to give them half of them because they they used to. Well, I didn't have to give them. They were theirs anyway. Right. If and, you did uh, the work, they were giving the half to you. Yeah. Yeah. They just bait the they bait their trawls. You know, you know what a trawl is. Yeah. That you mean like where you set out a line with a bunch of hooks on it. Yep. So That's rather it. than just fishing one hook, you right. you put them overboard and then you let it. I think they call it let them soak. Yep. For like <laughs> a few hours, and then you go back and you tub yep. trawl them. And did, was this the hand like tub trawling into a, into a? You'd pull them up by hand. Yeah. 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 And, and so the, they, as a hook, fish would be on a hook, you'd pull it off, and then you'd keep pulling the yeah. line into the into the tub. And I, he put me in a dory, and I had five hand lines on either side, and that I had to tend and pull up. And uh, he had marks on the on the gunnels, the sides of the dory. Yeah. And he says, he had caught, they were with a pencil. Anything as finessed as that, he used a knife and put a couple of marks on Notch. it. Notch. Carved a hunk out. Yeah, the notches. And uh, <laughs> he says, 
I don't want any any smaller than this, and I don't want any, any bigger than this. And I asked him why. He says, because without their heads, this is the size that fits in a fish box, and you can get the most in it by doing them like a, so they'd pack these fish boxes full of ice and salt, and then somebody was the designated guy that would take them down to, uh, yeah, what the hell is it? It's North Stonington was where they sold the fish. What it, kind of fish are we talking? Codfish? Uh, that's it. There was nothing else. That's it. Really? No, 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 no striper around? And, no. no. But the, uh, oh, there's a lot of little trash fish on the bottom yeah. trying to eat this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, hmm. yeah. And the, you know, it's almost like they were ahead of the curve because the last two years they've changed the striper regulation and you can only keep, it's got to be over, uh, I think 28 inches, but it can't be bigger than 35. So obviously he did it for reasons of fitting them in the box, but in a way probably let a lot of big ones go to reproduce and keep the fishery going. You kept the big ones, but, uh, but you know, all the little ones went back, of course, but uh, they keep the big ones, but they, you leave the head on him so you could, you know, you knew he you knew he was not going in the box. Though so they so they a lot of they sold them to different people on the island. I mean, Local, to did hold you? A, a forty-five pound codfish, which you ain't gonna see no anytime wow. now. That's a big fish. When I was a kid, we you could still catch you know a twenty twenty-five pounder, but I don't even yeah. think you see those anymore. I, I don't know. Now, uh, Kirk went out with Mike Ernst a couple times. The biggest one they got was like this, yeah. You know, you just, just barely keepers. 18 or 20 inches. And, yep. yeah. So did you guys go out in all kinds of weather and whatever back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but we didn't go far. We was, we didn't was have probably to. Uh, two miles off, two or three miles off Clayhead and maybe four out from the breakwater light. And, you know? and what time of year would you go out until? Every day. Come on. In the February. Oh, yeah. What the heck were you wearing? A 26-foot fishing boat. You remember the Leona? Leona A. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've it been out on that. Basically the same as that. Did you what did you wear for clothing? I mean, you didn't have like now the you know, technology with yep. the clothing is you know, they can make you feel like you're in a sleeping bag wearing a pair of pants, but yep. what were you wearing? The first thing he wore was uh, when you jumped out of bed the, so rudely in the morning. He was <laughs> After the door got kicked and your grandfather yeah. woke you up. You you've probably seen pictures of caricatures of people in red Red long underwear yep. Yep. with a yep. trap door. That's what it was. Really? That's yeah. where you started. So just layered <laughs> up, many layers. So, some of them were red and some of them were white, but uh, that's what you wore. And a pair of, uh, they didn't call them dungarees or jeans. It was just a heavy, like, canvas twill pair of pants. And uh, Did you ever have to use the trap door? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason it's there. I know, I know, I know. But when but you're out in this nasty weather in the yep. middle of February, and you're soaking wet from the spray. I mean, that, you couldn't have been dry. You must have. No, it was, uh, you were, uh, seems to me, I, <clears throat> you had, a, you know, a couple of sweaters on. Yeah. And uh, they, they didn't have all these fancy zips. You had to button everything up. And, uh you know, and that was it. The, the, the can you could get a you could have a, a canvas jacket. It was made out of canvas duck okay. that would pretty well shed water. Ah. And uh, I know some some people used to rub 
some kind of animal fat on them to shed them. Ah, them stunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they were mighty smelly. They didn't come in the house. <laughs> so they would basically grease the canvas material oh, yeah. and make yeah. it waterproof. All the water. Oh. And just a regular pair of hip boots that you wore rolled down all the time, and unless you was planning on wading back home. Uh, I hope you didn't do that very often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, for gloves on your hand, they would take the regular cotton gloves. And uh, I can't, what the heck's that? I can't remember the name of the stuff. It was a black tarry stuff. Mm. And you just put the gloves on, stick them in there, pull them out, shake them off, and take them off and let, let them lay there. And eventually the stuff would stiffen up. It was like uh, pine tar? No, it was like, uh, yeah. So you you guys basically at that time had your own sneaky ways of making stuff waterproof. Yeah. You know, you would just create your own waterproof gloves. You could use uh, beeswax was a lot of the guys that worked that in. And uh, it would, you know, it wouldn't keep your hands warm, but it would keep them from being wet. Wow. Wow. And so were your... Were your siblings uh, upset with you that you got to go fishing? And, and no, no. My father was born and raised out here, and so was my brother. And both of them hated boats. My what? dad would get sick rowing a boat across the mud puddle, so he said, wow. "I'm not going to be a fisherman." So he was the only. He turned out to be the only trucker on the island, <laughs> and, we, and he hauled everything. No kidding. Was this a, a, a little field thing where you or were there were other uh, seafaring men and your women in your family? Yeah, you were just yep. skipped that generation with yep. your dad. Okay. Yeah, it was my my grandfather and my uncle and couple uh, virtually all of them from way back when. Wow. So all right, listen, Everett, we get we're gonna have to take a break uh, and check in with our sponsor. Yep. Okay. okay. All right, hang in there for more Everett coming right back at you in just a minute or two. Whether you're experienced or a beginner, fishing on Block Island is one of the greatest experiences you can have. Our friends at BI Fishworks are there to make sure it's great. Block Island Fishworks offers charter trips for whatever you're after. Striped bass, bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonita, you name it, and they know how to catch it. If you're into light tackle fishing and fly fishing, Captain Chris does morning charters for up to three people. If your group's a little larger, climb aboard the Harley with Captain Hank, and the Harley does half and full day trips for up to six people. If boats are not your thing, then there are plenty of great spots to fish from shore. Block Island Fishworks has everything you need. They have a great selection of equipment, tackle, and plenty of tips and pointers on when and where to go and what the fish are biting. The shop, located at 40 Ocean Avenue, is open daily in season. While you're there, check out the great shirts, hats, hoodies, and a bunch of other great stuff. To book a charter, get info on the shop, check out their merch, and all things fishing, visit their website at bifishworks.com. You know, Mark, I love fishing with those guys. You ever been out with them? Oh, my God. A number of times, actually. And you know what? Every single time. We've caught fish. It's worth the trip just to spend a half a day with Hank. Hank is a force of nature, as we know. Yeah, he's great. And you know what? A lot of times your fishing trip can include a buzz by or even a quick tour of the of the wind farm, which is pretty awesome. And you know what? The the, the greatest thing about Fishworks is that they have everything you need. Every everything. 
Here's a great activity you don't want to miss out on on your next visit to Block Island. Exploring the Great Salt Pond in a kayak from Fort Island Kayaks. The Great Salt Pond is one of Block Island's true gems, and I would say one of the most beautiful harbors in all of New England. Now, I know I said kayak, but Fort Island Kayaks has stand-up paddle boards, Hobie pedal boards, as well as kayaks in all different sizes. I'm pretty sure they've even added the triple-seater and a peekaboo glass-bottom kayak. You can rent by the hour, half day, full day, or even an entire week. Explore the hidden coves of the pristine inner ponds. Find your own little spot to take a dip or soak up some sun. There's spectacular scenery around every bend, and you'll get some of the best views of the island that you can't really see any other way. So whether you're flying solo or with the whole family, make sure this is one on your to-do list. Oh yeah, here's a tip. If you're in a group of six or more, you definitely want to make a reservation in advance. Fort Island Kayaks is operated by our good friends at Block Island Fishworks and is located right next door. For rates, availability, and reservations, visit their website at bifishworks.com or just give them a call at 401-466-5392. So Mark, I wonder if that glass bottom kayak, you could find maybe Captain Kidd's treasure or something. Ooh, that's exciting, right? You could uh, turn your afternoon into a treasure hunt. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Those pedal boards look really cool, too. A bicycle on the water. What will they think of next? Ugh, modern science. The Darius Inn is truly a slice of heaven. Sisters Christy and Becca Zen have brought this historic 1800s building into its newest life as the Darius Inn. Their eye for design is only second to their warm and friendly roles as hosts. The clean and tastefully decorated accommodations at the Darius Inn have something to offer for every lifestyle. You can step out your door onto your own street-level deck and people watch for hours, or maybe you prefer to be away from the action in one of the tranquil hiding spots on the property. You simply can't beat the location. Ferries, shops, restaurants, and beaches are literally just steps away. And oh yeah, the breakfast is the bomb, fresh and delicious every morning. You can hear the story of the Zen Sisters and the Darius in Season 1, Episode 12 and Two Guys of Block Island when they graced us with their presence as guests on our podcast. To check out great picks, view info on booking a stay, and all that the Darius has to offer, check out the Darius Inn at DariusBlockIsland.com. Rich, you know what I love about the Darius is that it has its own sense of style. Oh yeah, it's it's groovy. It's groovy, and it's not just sailboats and lighthouses at the Darius. No, and you know, I'm a little bit of a foodie, and I love that they put their heart and soul into the breakfast. It's all fresh, homemade stuff. You know, it's just great. You can taste the love. You can. But remember, you got to be a guest to have yeah, the breakfast. Yeah, found that out the hard way. Eli's fired up its culinary magic back in 1994, and today, Chef Erica continues to delight the palate with some of the island's most remarkable dishes. I love the tuna nachos, and they make an arugula salad with seared goat cheese that's making me hungry just thinking about it. The entire menu is fantastic and crafted with fresh local ingredients. The menu changes throughout the season, always offering new temptations for your taste buds. Order a bottle of wine from their amazing wine list or try a rosarita. Or how about a fever tree dark and stormy? Maybe one of each. Owners Brad and Ann Marthens and Rosemary Tobin, along with the rest of the staff, truly make Eli's a place that feels warm and welcoming. Most of Eli's staff have been there for a long time, and that says to me they love what they do and it shows. Eli's has a long season and serves culinary delights from March right into November. They open back up for a special New Year's Eve dinner, too. Until COVID subsides, they ask that you do make reservations. All right, so those are just a few teasers. You should really check them out online, though. So go visit Eli's website at elisblockisland.com. I absolutely love the food at Eli's, and I'm going to let you in on a little insider tip, Rich. Let me have it. Sit at the bar. 
Oh, yeah. I love sitting at the bar. It's this cozy little corner, and it's just so much fun. And what did you do after, uh, you know, you graduated from school? How long did you fish with uh, for? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this. I graduated from school. I have been under somebody's domination since the day I was born. Well, we all are and in one way or another. It still goes like that right now. <laughs> First, it was my mother and father, and then uh, me, uh, Ray Anderson, and Max Sheldon. We stood up on the stage in our cap and gown and our other two guys, and this guy walks up in a Navy uniform from the audience, and he uh, swore me and those other two guys into the Navy right there. So I had my diploma in one hand and my death warrant in the other one. No kidding. Wow. So, and What uh, year was this? Say again? What year was that? Uh, 1956. 56. In the summer, and... Uh, so I missed the whole summer of 56 on Block Island. I can't say much about that. <clears throat> no, that's all I was right. gone. I was in a lovely place called Bainbridge, Maryland, sweating my... Took us off. Yeah, those things. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were, uh, your Navy career lasted how long? 20, <clears throat> 20 years. You were in, oh, 20 years. Actually, 21. So Ooh. you were gone from Block Island for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I didn't realize that. How was your leave time? Were you able to, was it like you were there six months, home for two months, or? No, you got 30 days a year leave. Yeah. And uh, so I I joined the Navy because they had these things that uh, flew through the air. They called my airplanes. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they used to come out of Quonset Point, and they come over here, and, uh, well, they go to, Charleston first to practice their landings and stuff. It's, it was a big deal, and and they'd fly over the island after they got through practicing that stuff. And the light burn, the ship that sunk off the southeast light, yeah, probably about five hundred yards offshore. It was still quite a lot of it above water, and uh, they'd do strafing runs with live ammunition, you know. Oh. And perhaps so. It's like the machine guns. They'd yeah. pop, 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 at, at that sunken wreck. Yeah. And they'd, Target they'd shoot at them. And uh, they'd start when they were, they'd pull the trigger when they were uh, over land, you know. And the bullets, of course, went way out there. But all those shell casings rained down on us. And I collected enough of them things. I had a 50-gallon barrel full <laughs> by the time I joined the Navy. But... It was the engines that drew me, though, that round motor yeah. with that big prop on there. So that's what I did for the next 20 years. You worked on them or you flew yeah. them? Oh. Well, you you worked on them, and if you, if you worked on them and they installed them on an airplane, you went flying with it to make sure it stayed up there. And did you, were you a pilot as well? Did no. You, okay, so you no. go up with the pilot, though. Yep. We were, I was a, what they call air crewman, yep. that AC things. How did and, how did you learn your mechanical skills? Because if in the Navy or they train you on the well, but out here I, I imagine you must have had to know because yep. both Kirk and uh, Kurt are very they're very handy mechanical. Yeah. yeah, there was one guy Harold Mott lives down the neck, right next to Adrian across the pond from yep. in that big house that didn't used to be that big a house, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot they, of that going around. They have a trouble morphing, or, or a lot of them do that. Anyway, yeah. uh, he was a he was a mechanic, and the only one on the island at the time. And we're we're talking pretty simplified it, 
you know, engines and stuff yeah. like that. There was no electronic anything. Yeah. Everything. And he taught me everything I knew about that. And uh, then we wound up with a nine-cylinder radial engine that Fred Benson got somewhere, an aircraft engine. And it was in the school shop for my last two years. And we took that thing apart right down to the last little nut and bolt and then put it back together again. And he had us learning how to use a micrometer. Man, that was a piece of high-tech equipment. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for us. It, you know, it still is to me. What does that do? Is that a measure thickness of? Well, you can measure thickness or length if you can get one open wide enough. They, okay. There's all sizes of them. These are all little ones about like so. Okay. And uh, so he taught me all that, and I just love the internal workings of the things, and I that's what I wanted to do. So I joined the Navy with a specific purpose of becoming a what they called an ADR, an aviation machinist mate, R for reciprocating. And they had another one called J because it was just coming out with those suck and blow machines, you know, they called <laughs> Jet engine. Jet engine. <laughs> suck, suck and blow, blow machines. Yeah. It so, sucks on so one end and blows on the other. Yeah. <laughs> I know some people like that. That, um, yeah, they suck the life out of you. Yeah. A bunch of blowhards. Just, yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, blow, blow steam. Yeah, hot air. Uh, so that was when, so primarily when you were doing it, it was still all mechanical engines, but they had started to introduce the high-tech new yeah. jet jet yeah. engines. Were you ever stationed on an aircraft carrier or a ship, or was most of your work at airfields? Well, I was uh, on, <clears throat> when I was stationed, I got, yeah, well, let me let me tell you this first. When I you tell well, us anything I, you want. I, I wanted to go see the world and work on these engines, you know? yeah. And uh, so I went through school out in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. You go Sooners, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and from there to Memphis, Tennessee for another one. And at, at the end of the one in Tennessee, you were designated as an ADR and a two-striper, which is the lowest thing, almost as low as whale manure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they... Uh, Said anybody, you know, you could go wherever you want to, be stationed wherever you wanted to if you were in, in uh, the top three people. So for some reason or other, I had a, a big hand up on mechanical stuff because of Harold yeah. Mott and all that he taught me. Where and I these... think a, a touch of natural ability with it. It's your Not, I mean, mu not much. <laughs> when I went to find Everett to see if he'd be on the podcast, he was like working on it. Yeah. He was working on an engine on yeah. a rototiller or something. Well, I'm going to like you know. project here. I'm just guessing, but I'm thinking your experience fishing on the boats. When you were on those boats, you know, back in the day, things just went wrong and you kind of ha probably had to figure out a way to fix it or else you're going to sink. Yeah, or something's not. You're yep. gonna you're gonna lose or your drift catch for away. The day or drift away. So, I think I'm guessing maybe yep. that out of necessity, you just kind of your mind started to work that way and figure out just how to do things. Well, the engines that they had at the time was a uh, usually a one what they call a one lunger, and uh, everybody seemed to have the same one. It was a Lawson, and it had a big flywheel on it, and there was no no transmission or anything you just had to manually when you wanted to go backwards you'd shut the thing down wait for it to stop <laughs> and then you'd move this one lever and put it in reverse and then you spun the flywheel and it would go boom 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 
just the noise it made. It would fire five or six times. Can you just, make that noise again? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. I want to try it. Boom, 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 boom. And occasionally you'd hear boom, boom, boom. Yeah. All right. And we're like, hold on a minute. Gotta try and spin that flywheel again. So you literally had to stop, shut down, put the basically it put the engine to go in the other direction and spin it the other way and yeah spin wow. it the opposite direction and, and, and you had know, some of the docking episodes with those guys running those things were hilarious cuz they'd shut them off you know they'd come around the corner and shut the engine down and coast you know and now let's say okay we got to do this we got to do this and and uh, sometimes they didn't time it just right and they'd slam the dock Oh, uh, let me ask you, why didn't they just use the bow thrusters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they didn't. <laughs> oh, man. So, so yeah, so where were you? We, you were talking about, you oh, could, you, you, if you, you gotta keep, the, you got to keep me on track I, for some I, of these I, things. I, I, I'm we the one that brings us off track. Yeah, we can't keep each other on no, track. That's just, no, okay. this, this they, thing's all over the place. Yeah, there's no rules. Yeah, yeah, there's no yeah. rules. Oh, I kind of go off at a tail. You, you've asked me two. You know, a bunch of different things in a short time, and I I keep finding myself going yeah. off yeah. here. And we love that. Sometimes <laughs> we end up coming back to it. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just... There's always good teasers to get you back to do another episode. Mm. You know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. All right. Well, so would... if you were in the top three of the mechanics, you yep. got to kind of choose where you... That's what you're saying, when you were in the Navy. Yeah. Okay. So what, what happened with you? Damn. I... They sent me to Quonset Point, Rhode Island. <laughs> you wanted to go. You left to go see the world. Yeah. And they sent you to Quonset Point. Point. I was home every weekend. <laughs> my father. <laughs> my father says to me, he says, you know, when you left, she says, we broke your plate, so there's nothing for you to eat off of here. <laughs> no, he says you're going to have to contribute. Something, yeah. If you're going to be here every damn weekend, so yeah. Well, ever comes home, he goes, "Who's in my bed?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they rented his bed to someone else. It, it was a couple of years like that, and you know, it, it just this stuff leads. I'm in the process of finishing my second book. Yeah. I hope, yeah, yeah. If I ever get the damn thing done, what was your but, first uh, book for our listeners that don't know? Do you uh, have a book? Uh, I have a copy well, of yeah. it. What was yeah. the name of that? Don't thing? Be a Turkey. Is that what it was? <laughs> Block Island Turkey oh, and Block Toby Island, Rowe. Block Island Turkey and Toby Rowe. You know, and here I go off on a tangent. So Toby Rowe. So was Toby Rowe is the codfish Rowe, Rowe right. which is a delicacy. Yeah. Was it popular even back oh, yeah. then? Yeah. It's a, what do you call it? Just the stuff the guys pay 500 the bucks. caviar. Yeah, caviar. Yeah. 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 Well, I've cooked it. Where you keep it intact, like in a sack, yep. and you would boil it first a little yep. bit, and that would make it workable. Yep. Then you can actually slice it, and then I yep. would pan sear it in a pan with onions, and you know, it was pretty good. Sacrilege. You put oh, something sorry. on them? Yeah, well, I had <laughs> to. I didn't put ketchup on them. I like a little flavor, though. A little onion, a little mushroom. My, well, my grandfather and my uncle, when they'd pull one aboard, and it was a female, you know, and... uh they open them right up and take them things right out and suck them things right dry. Get raw. out of here. Yeah. yeah. Raw, like right out of the yeah. fish. No, not for me. They, no, I could They tried and tried to get me to do it. It's just like eating sand, wet sand. No yeah. Kidding. I like to prepare it first. Have, 
But have you had it raw, Rich? I have. Really? Yeah. And it, it's that's what it it's like. kind of one of them things like you're not really fish until you've eaten the eyeball. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, like okay. cut out an eyeball. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, okay. so, uh, you know, I'm not kidding. That's what you know. A lot of the guys are going, trying to going down. It feels like you know you've had a bad cold and you give it one of those. <laughs> yeah, 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 one of those yeah. things. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. That's what I thought first time I ate an oyster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah, you wonder who were the brave souls who tried a lot of these things for the first. Like, who found an egg sack in a fish and decided to, like, hmm. slurp it out of the... Yeah. Ugh, you know? Well, it's because of knuckleheads, like, we're all guys, you know, and we're all chill. Oh, I bet you won't eat that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably closer to starvation. Or that. Would make them do that. Yeah. Well, and I would think back in the day, too, you could probably... Those raw eggs were probably, like the highest level of pure protein yep. you could get. Right. I mean, that was, right. that was probably, you could probably slurp down your whole calories for the day. Yeah. You know, and be good to go. Yeah. Well, I would still eat more, you know, that's just how I am. I'd love to try it sometime still, now that we've talked about it. Obviously. I'd still yeah. want some ice cream or peanut butter. <laughs> Everett's a peanut butter guy, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember Everett. He was, I love, he'd be like, let me get a spoon of peanut butter. And he'd have the big spoon, like a lollipop. <laughs> I did. I did the same. I had a peanut butter addiction over the winter. COVID would last when we couldn't leave the house and all that. Yeah. I, I about you know, I would eat peanut butter and yogurt and uh, with honey on it. Mm. And I didn't realize it's you know. I mean, I never really thought about. It. I was just like, oh, peanut butter's got a lot of protein. It's good for yep. you, right? Good for you. And then I'm like, God, why am I getting a little? What's this with the extra pounds? <laughs> and I looked at the label. It's like 280 calories a tablespoon. I'm eating yeah. it by the cup. <laughs> just like shoveling yeah, it yeah. in peanut butter is good i'm with you on that one yeah yep. me too i like peanut yep. butter yeah all right so now now we're talking about peanut butter <laughs> yeah well why not you know that's how we go yeah so quonset point and you came yes. home every week and then is that where you spent the navy career no after, oh okay i uh i can give you a quick run Take on a, that. give us a slow run i was uh when I, while I was stationed there, I noticed these airplanes just flying back and forth or taxiing back and forth by in front of our hangar, and they had skids on them. And I nosed around and found out it was a squad. I thought they were flying off of snow somewhere, you know. They they had the ski-wheel combinations that you could go either way. And uh, so I walked down there one day and found out what it was. And uh, I had uh, one year left on my enlistment before I was going to get out, but they were going to transfer me somewhere for that last year because I'd been home too long. Uh, anyway, so I went to try to get transferred to that squadron, you know, thinking I'm going to be doing the same thing again. Not so. Anyway, <laughs> they transferred me down there. I can't believe it because it saved them money. They didn't have to ship me anywhere. Yeah. And it was the squadron that uh, was called VXE-6, it was the Air Development Squadron who, uh, they were the people who took care of the civilians who went down to the Antarctica on the ice, the, what the International Geophysical Year, they called it. They were still studying this place down there. It was, yeah. it was primitive. And uh, the guy says, uh, you know, when the, when it got, I, they transferred me to the squadron, they Everybody's all lined up out of there uh, at quarters in the morning. And the ch chief guy comes out and he says, anybody want to go to to uh, Christchurch, New Zealand? And uh, step forward. Well, 
all the old guys who'd been there before, they all stepped back and it left all us newcomers out there in the front. He says, good, you're going. So, <laughs> really? That's what happened? The guys really did that? They all had a plan and they stepped yeah, back? It, well, they, it, it, this has been going on for years. Oh, so these guys knew all the... Gotcha. And, you, the you, you always screw the new guy. <laughs> all right. All right. And they, they, it was, uh, they flew us to New Zealand. They kept us there for six weeks. Issued us a million pieces of cold weather clothes. We like, well, I wish we'd had fishing. <laughs> and then, uh, where were these yeah, twenty years yeah, ago? Yeah. yeah. Then we went down to on the ice. They call it down to Antarctica, <clears throat> and we were there for seven months, overwintering. You overwintered in Antarctica? Yeah, for seven months. Holy wow. cow! They gave they gave you a a little psych test to see if you were going to make it, and the guy says. Where are you from? I said, Block Island. He says, Rhode Island? And I says, yeah. He says, well, if you can live out there and survive for 18 years, you can, <laughs> you'll be fine. You're going to make it down oh, there. Yeah. So yeah. away we went. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. But in all seriousness, you're, it, it probably did, you know, living here kind of yeah, maybe it, prepare you for that a little, bo- little bit. The wind, you know, how the wind can howl around here in the wintertime, but down yeah. there. Damn, it was like wind I'd never seen before, those catabotic winds. They come down, there's no, you know, mountain, it's a mountainous type thing. And those winds come sweeping down there, and they're 120, 130 miles an hour. Sustained. Yeah. Holy cow. What were you guys living in, like Quonset huts? Or? Uh, they call them Jamesways, but they were buried in the snow almost from, uh, it didn't snow much down there, actually. Yeah. But it... Uh, Moved what was on the ground around right, a lot. Right, a lot of drifting. And you had a little entrance weight. It was built onto the thing, and it's, that was your bathroom, too, that and a number 10 can. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's what uh-huh. it was. You, you, you go out there into the little entryway-like thing and do your business and set it down there. And everybody had their own can, so they had to. Yep, yep. You weren't going to be emptying somebody else's. What were you, and you didn't have to worry about the smell because it was frozen in like 35 yeah, seconds. Before it hit the can. You probably had a hurry. <laughs> yeah, I got to hit the can. Is frozen, that where the term comes from? before it hit the can. Yeah. I wonder if that's where the term comes from. You, people say, oh, I, oh I'll be right back. I got to hit the can. I would not doubt it. I got to look that one up. A, I'm going to believe it's true. What were you guys doing down there again? You studying we, something? We were supporting these guys. All, we had airplanes and one helicopter there, and on good days, we would fly these guys to different points on the on the continent, and uh, they'd do whatever the hell it was they were doing, the scientists, and then we'd, you know, that's all we were doing. We're move, moving them around. Yeah. And... Uh, how did the engines uh, like that cold? Not. He has a mechanic. <laughs> I told a guy one day, Valentine or Valenti or something that owned smugglers there for a while. Yeah. I said, yeah, when we wanted to go flying down there, we had to go out and preheat the engine for three days before you could start <laughs> yeah. it up. And that, that was not a lie. Oh, he had uh, these yeah. big canvas covers that covered the engine and a, and a little ga- uh, kerosene-powered, you know, like Heater a- thing. Like a yeah, yeah, and they would just blow the heat in there. And you had to get it so you could turn the prop. Wow! And now, how how was the what year? About what year was this? This is uh, probably fi- oh, it was well, it was fifty nine. Okay, how was the weather uh, technology for like 
<laughs> knowing what was coming, or was it mostly watching and it was best guess? Just like they do now, they look at things and guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only they make it sound more technical. So you basically have to, because I would imagine you didn't bring anybody out unless you thought you had time to pick them back up, because you can't. No, you were you were isolated for seven months. With no planes in, no planes out. If you get sick and you were going to die, you died. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, you did uh, not want to have a. You didn't want to have a. Uh, you know, like a. Some sort like of, need an appendectomy yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. There. No, you, that's when you see. That's when you see uh, Everett coming at you with the you know yeah. a butter knife and uh, some <laughs> gauze. And don't like, worry, I know everything like, there is to know about Toby Rowe. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. a bottle of whiskey, hands it yeah. to you. Here you go, drink up. There you go. I got well, this. Yep. We, we weren't quite that primitive. They had a doc, <laughs> doctor and two corpsmen, which they handled most anything except somebody with a heart attack. Yeah, or yeah. Like certain that. things that you know. But accidents happen and. Any yeah. wildlife? We, did you see penguins? Anything? No, like that? we were we well. You see them off in the distance, but oh, okay. I had no inkling or wants to go mess with them things. No, they kind of <laughs> smell bad. Um, <laughs> day versus night. What was the hour? How much daylight? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> you, you was usually always inside, so you you know yeah, that's you, true. you yeah, went right. by the clock unless yeah. you were outside. And that was it. You did not want to be caught outside in a whiteout or when the wind was howling and pushing all that snow around. Yeah. Because you'd be disoriented and gone. They had they had lines from each place. Each. Oh, like you know, a, so you, even in so the so snow you blind. Put your hand around that, and you yeah. knew where you were going. Yep. Wow. And uh, but it was it was just kind of dangerous. But there, hell, I was what 19 20, I was 20 something at the time yeah so I thought that was great there's a uh, there's a horror movie from the 1980s by a guy named John Carpenter called the thing have the you thing. seen it ever get out of here with it bum, 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 <laughs> don't, yeah, don't come back no more you know it? yeah yeah that's yeah. what I'm that's exactly what I'm picturing is that movie with Kurt Russell and they're yeah. all trapped in couldn't get in, away you, know, you didn't happen to come across any UFOs while you were there <laughs> buried in the ice did you I'm not sure whether I was seeing UFOs or that stuff they was making a hooch <laughs> <laughs> but you you saw some things they 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 were you could you believe it or not you could fertilize raisins I mean oh, uh, ferment, ferment, ferment raisins. raisins make a little raisin room in the, yeah in the middle of Freezing ass weather. And how do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> I watched them. Ah, yeah. uh-huh. I watched uh-huh. the other guys do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, yeah. so when you finally got sprung from Antarctica, the what? When you finally left uh, the Antarctica, Antarctica. Yeah. Well, it, they flew us back to uh, Christchurch, and they left us there for another four weeks to kind of recuperate and see what the sun was like and stuff like that. And my time was up. Uh, at the end of that, just as soon as we got back to Conus, we, uh, I was discharged, and I came back here, and uh, I worked for Henry Hutchinson at the power company in Merrill Slate, and, and it, Merrill Slate said, oh, I'm going to get some help, and he, said, he says, come on, we gotta, we got to put some new inserts in this engine, and I said, inserts in an engine? He says, yeah, this ain't one of them fancy-schmancy round motors. This is a big, flat-ass uh, Fairbanks Morse 16-cylinder. Man, it's a whole different operation. They were diesels. I'd never seen a diesel engine before. Well, other than that, the 
three old ones that they had when they first started the place. Not not the same ones. Well, yeah. they were the same ones, but downstream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I ain't that old. <laughs> uh, so he takes me out there, and we did that. Just changed these sleeves. Oh, my God. Dirty, rotten, nasty job. All my, our engines was nice and clean with clean oil. These things had... Gunk stuff all yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gunk. Well, I had my first all car over. was a uh, Volkswagen Rabbit with a diesel engine. Yeah, and he had to plug it in at night to the glow plugs yep. to keep it warm in the wintertime. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm doing that, and I'm thinking to myself, is this what I got to look forward to? Uh, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. So the, when you got out of the military, you had uh, sixty days to change your mind. Without you could come back and reenlist without losing your any rank yep. that you had attained. So I uh, forgot who the heck it was. Anyway, I put in an application for Rhode Island State Police because they were all riding these great big Harleys, and I wanted to be one of them. <laughs> so anyway, so I went took the test. And I missed two questions on it, and they made me take it again. And they had two guys watching me a different test. And I only missed three on that one, I guess. So they thought I cheated somehow. Wow. So anyway, anyway, he said, the guy says, okay, says you'll be uh, on the list. And uh, there's only a couple of guys ahead of you. So they, they take them when they need them. And uh, I'm thinking, how long is this? How long will this, this the wait? And he says, oh, it could be a couple of years sometimes. I go, oh, sugar. Well, I didn't say that, but anyway. <laughs> you can curse I, on this. <laughs> I says, I got four days left on my 60 days before I can't join oh, the military. Oh, wow. So you had this four-day window. If you didn't go back in the military, Yeah, you were, then you were just waiting. Maybe you'd get on the state yeah. police. Okay. So I go, I was already over there and uh, had borrowed this guy's car. So I drove up to Boston where there was a recruiter. And shipped over for six years, and they gave me 900 bucks for doing that. I had $900 in my pocket, and I drove back to Providence and left my, was my cousin's car. And I'm walking down, walking down a street in Providence, and they had a, oh, God, what's them, them two name guys, the, the hunting equipment and everything, Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh, really? The okay. store, they had a store there. And in the window, they had this 460 Weatherby rifle. It's an elephant gun. That's the only thing it's good for. And they had it for sale for $512 or something like that. So I <laughs> bought it right on the spot. <laughs> Got a box of 20 shells. Came home. And me and, uh, oh, my dad says, there's a postcard here for you. And I says, oh, yeah? Who from? He says, the Rhode Island State Police, they want you to come up to the Lincoln Barracks. Oh, no. (laughs) They want you to come up to Lincoln Barracks, you know, uh, on a certain date. And I said, oh, sugar. (laughs) He said, oh, shit. (laughs) Had a a lot of sugar. Anyway, I called the chief back up. (laughs) I called the the guy in Boston that just, you know, he says, uh, if I give you the $900 back, will you tear up that piece of paper? He says, oh, no, buddy, we got you for six years. That's it. Oh. And he says, your orders will be coming in shortly, within a week or two, so go ahead home and stay there. And when you get them, follow them. 
And uh, so I came back, and my dad told me about that, you know, that postcard. And oh, I, I tried to call him, and uh, well, anyway. Well, sometimes we're pushed to make a decision, and you, and you know, make live it. with it. Yeah. You turned out all right. Well, I was, <laughs> and at least you had a pretty cool gun now, you know, waiting yeah. for you when you got oh, back. So while we were, while I had it, while I was here, me and Bob Rose took it out. We was going to try and shoot this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet's like this long and about that big around. Like and an I, inch wide and, and like the, six and inches the, long. And they come 20 to a box. So we took it down the beach somewhere, I don't know, and just – I. You seen it was my gun. I was going to shoot it first, and oh my god, that thing went off. I was used to shooting a twelve gauge shotgun, so I had it snugged up a little bit. But this thing spun me right around about a half a circle. Because <laughs> believe it or not, I weighed one hundred and forty pounds at the time. <laughs> oh, so that gun like, probably weighed forty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I handed it to Bob. He put one in there, and he fired it once, and he says. What is it you're going to hunt with these things? <laughs> it's your cows, I guess, about it. Wow. So anyway, I put it in the closet, and that's where it's set for the next ooh, five years, I guess. You uh, still have it? No, I wish no. I had. Yeah. I uh, got my orders that two days after that. Naples, Italy, four years. Whoa. Oh. Goodbye. Hey, you finally got to see the world. That's you the know, way more. I started. Yep. See more yeah. of the world. At least you were going somewhere with good food. Yeah, absolutely. You got that right. Wow, Everett Rich, you know, this uh this conversation's amazing, but uh unfortunately I think we're running a little a little long on this one. So uh let's take a break right here and uh we'll pick back up with Everett uh in another episode. I there's definitely more episodes in Everett. So yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Rich, tell right. the listeners how they can get in touch with us. Yeah, you can reach us uh, any way you'd like, but the best way to reach us is either on our Facebook page, you can message us, or you can uh, reach out to us, uh, twoguysonbi at gmail.com. Yeah, and don't forget to uh, hit us up on the Facebook and the Instagram, and uh, don't forget wherever you listen to us, uh, please subscribe to our podcast. We'd uh, really appreciate it, and don't forget to tell your friends. Yeah, if you enjoy it and you think they'd enjoy it, that's the best way to get more people to listen to us and we appreciate that very much all right thanks for listening to us this week see you next time all right see you mark hey rich yeah uh i just went to costco and got like 14 large things of peanut butter and i I got two spoons you in i'm in all right or maybe we could just hang on to them and sell them to somebody what shall we do with the sailor what shall we do with the sailor what shall we do